At the end of all this effort, a clarinetist. She laid aside the opera glasses and sat back in her seat. It was a perfectly competent orchestra, and they had played the Macun with gusto. But why did people still do Stockhausen? Perhaps it was some sort of statement of cultural sophistication. We may come from Reykjavik, and it may be a small town far from anywhere, but we can at least play Stockhausen as well as the rest of them. She closed her eyes. It was impossible music, really, and it was not something a visiting orchestra should inflict on its hosts. For a short while she considered the idea of orchestral courtesy. Certainly one should avoid giving political offence. German orchestras, of course, used to be careful about playing Wagner abroad, at least in some countries, choosing instead German composers who were somewhat more apologetic. This suited Isabel, who disliked Wagner. The Stockhausen was the final item on the programme. When at last the conductor had retired and the clapping had died down, not as warm as it might have been, she thought, something to do with Stockhausen, she slipped out of her seat and made her way to the ladies' room. She turned on a tap and scooped water into her mouth. The Usher Hall had nothing so modern as a drinking fountain, and then splashed some on her face. She felt cooler and now made her way out onto the landing again. It was at this point, though, that Isabel caught sight of her friend Jennifer standing at the bottom of the short flight of stairs that led into the Grand Circle. She hesitated. It was still uncomfortably warm inside, but she had not seen Jennifer for over a year, and she could hardly walk past without greeting her. Isabel made her way through the crowds. "'I'm waiting for David,' Jennifer said, gesturing towards the Grand Circle. He lost a contact lens, would you believe it, and one of the usherettes has lent him a torch to go and look for it under his seat. He lost one on the train through to Glasgow, and now he's done it again. They chatted as the last of the crowd made its way down the stairs behind them. Jennifer, a handsome woman in her early forties, like Isabel, was wearing a red suit on which she had pinned a large gold brooch in the shape of a fox's head. Isabel could not help but look at the fox, which had ruby eyes and seemed to be watching her. Brother Fox, she thought, so like Brother Fox. After a few minutes, Jennifer looked anxiously up the stairs. We should go and see if he needs help, she said irritably. It'll be an awful nuisance if he's lost another one. They took a few steps up the short set of stairs and looked down towards the place where they could make out David's back hunched behind a seat, the light of the torch glinting between the seating. And it was at that moment, as they stood there, that the young man fell from the lair above, silently, wordlessly, arms flailing as if he were trying to fly or fend off the ground, and disappeared from view. For a brief moment they stared at one another in mutual disbelief, and then, from below, there came a scream, a woman's voice, high-pitched, and then a man shouted and a door slammed somewhere. Isabel reached forward and seized Jennifer's arm. My God, she said, my God! From where he had been crouching, Jennifer's husband straightened up. What was that? he called to them. What happened? Somebody fell, said Jennifer. She pointed at the upper circle at the point where the top layer joined the wall. From up there, he fell. They looked at one another again. 
Now Isabel moved forward to the edge of the circle. There was a brass rail running along the edge of the parapet, and she held on to this as she peered over. Below her, slumped over the edge of a seat, his legs twisted over the arms of the neighbouring seats, one foot she noticed without a shoe but stockinged, was the young man. She could not see his head, which was down below the level of the seat, but she saw an arm sticking up, as if reaching for something, but quite still. Beside him stood two men in evening dress, one of whom had reached forward and was touching him, while the other looked back towards the door. Quickly, one of the men shouted. Hurry! A woman called out something, and a third man ran up the aisle to where the young man lay. He bent down, and then began to lift the young man off the seat. Now the head came into view, and lolled, as if loosened.